How's it going, guys? We're here with the 55th episode of Fear Frequency, and for our new listeners out there, it's a weekly horror podcast where George and I round up the latest horror news and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Frizzard. And again, if you're a new listener, we would super appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes. Five stars are preferred. It helps us get pushed up the charts on iTunes, and we had a smear campaign against us where we got 14 one-star reviews in one day. And that sucked. If you want to hear about that, listen to some older episodes. <laughs> and uh, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your message on the show uh, or your iTunes reviews on the show. And yeah. we actually do have a new iTunes review from Nick Paul, who says, I've been listening to this spine-chilling podcast a while now, and my commute home from work always flies by listening to Jimmy and George. They always have the latest buzz on horror films, video games, and anything media-related. Oh, and Dr. Loomis keeps dying. I have no idea how this guy keeps coming back to life. Even if some of the topics are not interesting, these guys are very entertaining to listen to, and it's intriguing to hear their opinions. You especially need to follow them because <laughs> you especially need to follow them if you're a fan of the Halloween franchise. Keep up the great work for your frequency. P.S. If you read this, what are both of your favorite Goosebumps episodes of all time? Mine is The Haunted Mask. Nick from Massachusetts. I think that gets the award for best review yet. <laughs> that was awesome. I have no idea how this guy keeps coming back to light. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Finally, someone acknowledges it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Did you say your favorite Goosebumps episode? Uh, I would say my favorite Goosebumps episode is Say Cheese and Die. Why? It's just such a ridiculous Why? concept. Of You take a picture <laughs> and then people in the picture die i mean it's so dark <laughs> it's pretty cut like and dry kid's, there for a kid's book it's so simple and so dark like usually the stakes aren't that high in a goosebumps book where people are legitimately dying so i think that one's special okay that's fair i like the haunted mask because it has no moral as rl slime once told me on twitter <laughs> but also welcome to Horrorland. i really like i just don't know if the book is plot like beat for beat the same plot as the tv movie because the tv episode is incredible it's so good the tv it's episode a, is great <laughs> i like when um the ending when the the station wagon drives just driven off clear a cliff. off a cliff <laughs> yeah i like that but haunted mask is a close second uh they're tied i love i love welcome to horrorland though that one's like my favorite yeah i'd say those three are like in up my like in my top three for sure top five. Oh, and this week we're coming at you live from my favorite place boston massachusetts we have some news on dr sleep a quiet place 2 the next halloween and even more but in segment two we're reviewing the possession of hannah grace which should be a rip and a riot because that movie <laughs> sucks <laughs> before we get into the news though i'm getting that alert from dr loomis he's died once again he's blowing our minds dude how how Can't do we still have down. halloween alerts I don't know, I, man. It just I, the news keeps trickling in. I hope this sequel comes out next year. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? That would be cool. Yeah. So the big news is John Carpenter. He's up to score a Halloween sequel. So it's hotly anticipated this Halloween sequel. We've already known that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride both said they have ideas for the sequel. We know Jamie Lee Curtis will come back if David Gordon Green is directing. But the one holdout has been 
John Carpenter, the horror master himself. Well, he sat down with Consequence of Sound, and all he had to say when they straight up asked him if he'd come back is, we'll be ready. We've talked about it. We'll be ready. So (laughs) it's not just him. Um, It's him, his son Cody, and Daniel Davies. They're a trio of incredible sound. And they're also going to work on Lost Themes 3. He said, we've been putting together some music. Uh, He says they're also taking a much-needed break, though. He says the group is not intensely working on anything, but we'll get back together. We'll do some more stuff. We need rest now after Halloween and keep out of sight. We don't need to bug anybody now. I like how he can sound, like, ominous. He's like, (laughs) we're going to stay out of sight. Not just, like, I'm going to take a break. Right. Like, he has good news, and he's saying that, like, yeah, we're going to take a vacation. But he's, like, saying it in a way that's like, we're just going to creep up on you and strike you when you least expect it. He's so humble. I love it. <laughs> I just, I love it. It's so good. But he's he's been playing Fallout 76, and he really likes it. Well, he's, been, he's one he's of been the few, because uh, yeah. YouTube does not like it. Oh, my God. I had a viral <laughs> tweet this week. Did you see? I did see. I'm pretty proud of it. I screenshot all those videos that are, like, talk like trashing Fallout 76. I'll talk about that game more in a minute, but, um, and I said... Can everyone cool it with the Fallout 76 shot my dog videos? Something <laughs> something along the lines of that. But apparently one of the guys just calls every one of his gaming videos, this game, like X game title, is a nightmare. So <laughs> I got like 40 replies that were like, oh, this one up is not jump is actually good. So I watched it. It was 18 minutes long. It's pretty good. It was also pretty positive. So, but the other ones all sucked. <laughs> so I was like... Four out of five were terrible. Well, that's good. Some, at least John Carpenter is enjoying it. So I'm I'm liking it too. It has its it has its problems, but I really liked Fallout Four because the whole focus of that game was exploration. The story was terrible. People are acting like Fallout Four had this incredible story and the NPCs were amazing and had perfect AI <laughs> instead of just being like walking quest givers. I don't really care what body the quest giver is in. It's fine that they're Mr. Handys to me or Robotrons or whatever they're called. I don't really, it, I, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is how buggy the game is and how, uh, how buggy it is mostly. I wish they could fix that like immediately. I mean, it, it is a Bethesda game, so there's always that it's issue so, right at the it's very so beginning. It's so buggy though, dude. It's like, <laughs> there's just the animations are not right. You'll come up and all the enemies will be T-posing, and then when you get close enough to them, they'll spawn to the ground and then they'll get up again. <laughs> and uh-huh. the Scorched are really cool enemies. And once I've like started to figure out why they're like the way they are, which is cool, not spoiling anything. Finding monsters is great. You can find a friendly Mothman, which I really like. He just comes and gives you a buff. He's Gotta called the Mothman. He's called a wise Mothman. <laughs> I like that. I like the Flatwoods monsters and the Mole Men. There's a really cool quest in the Vault Tech University. Uh, that was like my favorite quest so far. So it is a re- it is a fun game. I think it's a lot of fun. The shooting is feeling really good. I, I like the that's not pausing time. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't really care. It works fine. You hit Q and then you just have like an auto aim shot, which is exactly what Vats is. So <laughs> whatever. I like that game. I think if they keep at it, keep working at it, which I hope they do, it could be great. But it's right now it's just okay yeah and hopefully the community gathers around it doesn't drop off and they can fix some stuff yeah but coming back from that tangent i'm glad that john (laughs) carpenter is saying he'll come back for the halloween sequel because 
like that movie was really good on its own. It was well directed and well written and well acted. But the glue, I've said this a lot, the glue that held it together was John Carpenter's score. Like there were moments where the movie started to feel a little, you know, not slow, but a little bit standard. And then you'd hear that score ripping and you'd be like, damn, okay. This is a good yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it definitely adds another layer to it. Like his scores are just so iconic and so great whenever he writes an original one. It's like, It'd be a shame if he didn't come back and write more original music if we're getting the same directors and Jamie Lee's coming back again and we're getting that same crew together. Yeah. Also, it'll be nice to have him go on a tour where he's not playing the same songs for the third year in a row. (laughs) That would be (laughs) be cool. Because if he's working on Lost Themes 3, he could take cherry pick from the Halloween 2018 soundtrack, the Halloween 2019-2020 soundtrack, and Lost Themes 3... And have a pretty robust lineup to play at a live show. Because yeah. those shows are great. I love them they, all. They are a really cool them. experience. I've still only been to the one, but it was uh, one of the best shows I think I've ever been to. Uh, yeah, it says here in the article that he hasn't scored a film of his own. Oh, no, he hasn't scored a film since his own Ghosts of Mars back in 2001. Have you seen that movie? I didn't even, I've never even heard of that. And I'm like no, a huge I, Carpenter fan. I haven't seen that, no. 2001. Maybe it came out on 9-11 and people just weren't talking about it. It's possible. That's got to be it. (laughs) I've never even heard of that movie. Yeah, so he was radio silent, just making his own tunes until the new Halloween came out. Yeah, that's weird. Huh. But that's cool he's coming back if if, and when they make the sequel. I feel like everyone's talking about it because they're, like, the people on the, the, the production side like uh jamie lee curtis and all them they're all just like yeah i mean it's happening we're just gonna talk about it (laughs) and blumhouse is like well we can't talk about it because we're still writing deals with universal but you guys can talk about it yeah they don't want the spill the beans from the the top brass yeah but that's all we got for that halloween alert this week uh next up here i'll let you handle this one because i don't want to i don't want to talk about this guy (laughs) So Mike Flanagan rapped on filming Dr. Sleep. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> he tweeted, um, so that's a rap on Dr. Sleep. It's been a long, crazy, truly unique experience. I read the novel as soon as it came out back in 2013, fascinated and moved by the epic story of Dan Tolerance and Abra Stone, but I never imagined for a moment I'd be the person to bring it to the big screen. It's been an honor to spend the last five months with this fantastic casting crew, and to be trusted with Stephen King's extraordinary story. One of the highlights of my career, without a doubt. Shine on, everyone. Shine on. Damn, he just sounds like such a nice guy. <laughs> Fuck. All right. I'm going to like Mike Flanagan from this point forward. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, watch his show. <laughs> I mean, his, his last show did get pretty high praise. Um, Honey and Hill House. I still haven't really put too much time into it. Um... But it seems like between that, like maybe he's picking up some new tools of the trade, a couple more tricks up his sleeve, because that got really, really uh, well-recepted. Yeah, this movie sounds really cool. Did you write the part at the bottom? No. Okay, I'm going to read this paragraph to you guys. Flanagan rewrote Akiva Goldman's, Goldsman's adaptation of Stephen King's 2013 novel that picks up the life of the Red Rum Kid when he's in his 40s. <gasps> the Red Rum Kid. The Red Rum Kid. <laughs> what? Is that what you thought I wrote it? <laughs> yeah. I thought that. I mean, like, it's just, it's not bad. 
necessarily. It's just jarring to see that coming from <laughs> bloody disgusting. <laughs> like, isn't that a weird sentence? The novel that picks up with the life of the Red Room Kid yeah, when he's in his forties. Danny Tolerance. Yeah, well, I was gonna make fun. I was gonna make fun of you for that, but then uh, you just kept reading. You're you're on a roll that with that whole sentence. So I didn't I didn't want to disrupt it. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm excited for this movie. I think it'll be cool. It's just weird because you're following you. I know that it's an adaptation of a book, but the book is a sequel to The Shining, and so any way you slice it, Mike Flanagan's following up a Stanley Kubrick movie. Right. Arguably so, his best movie. <laughs> yeah, and a very beloved movie. So, I mean, everybody has their idea of what, you know, they know what the Torrance family should be to them, like what they yeah. think of it. So, I think this is either going to turn off a lot of Shining fans immediately who are just going to say uh, either they read the book and didn't like it or just don't care to see a sequel to something that they really like. Um, but... I don't know. It's definitely going to be a hard project to nail. Yeah. He's just got, he's got such a like good reputation right now. I think they, I think they chose a good director for that, even though I'm not totally hot and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. I think it'll be good. Probably. The Stephen King stuff though, is just coming out crazy. (laughs) It's it's super hit or miss. Um, (laughs) Warner like, Brothers seems to know what they're doing, though. Like, it was pretty good. And it had a really troubled development, and that still came out good. So, like, knowing that, this movie seems like it was smooth sailing. Right. Uh, this was kind of a cohesive product. We didn't hear anything about issues on set or, you know, actors not getting along. Even McGregor's yeah, in it, which un- is pretty good. Yeah, he seems unusually positive. About, like, for a director coming off a set, you know? Right. Usually they give a statement where they're like, oh, we just wrapped. But this one, this is a really positive statement. Like, it sounds like he genuinely had a good time. So I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, from here, we just kind of got to see what happens. But he seems confident, so I guess we should also be. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. So next up, John Krasinski he teased A Quiet Place 2 and said it doesn't feel like a sequel. It's coming out on May 15th, 2020. So it's actually, it's kind of far away, but it's it's on the horizon there. We can see it like just cresting over the land. That's right, a, it'll, it'll be out sooner thing. than you think. Yeah, so he said uh, to Business Insider, so I didn't know they covered movies, but he said, I don't even see it as a sequel. Emily actually blew my mind by categorizing it the correct way after I pitched it to her. She said, this isn't a sequel at all. This is the second book in a series of books. It's widening a world. And I thought the best way to look at it, and I thought that's the best way to look at it. That's what he said. It doesn't feel like a sequel. It's a continuation of living in that world. So it's a, it's a sequel. What? No, it's a continuation of living in that world, Jimmy. What does he think a sequel is? <laughs> I think it just means that it's not following the same family, possibly. That it's What does another... he think the word sequel means, George? <laughs> well, I think sequel in traditional sense means we'd be following the same character and it'd be a continuation of the first movie's story. Okay. All right. Where this will be a continuation of the world's story. 
He kept talking about it. He said, I can't wait to get in there and keep writing and see what this movie wants to allow itself to be. And that will happen in the script process and the shooting and the editing. That's the three main parts of a movie. That's but I think, <laughs> I think what's cool about the second part of the movie is the same set of rules have to apply. I just can't introduce a world where you can make a ton of sound. And if I did, there would have to be a reason for it. So it's figuring out if there are smart and clever ways to do it. I mean, he's not wrong, but that's just a very basic way to talk about it. It's like, yeah, not a lot of... <laughs> secrets or i'm gonna think about this movie a lot when i write it <laughs> when i when i shoot it and when it's in editing it kind of well, scares I'd me i hope so <laughs> how he writes about it because it's almost like in the mouth <laughs> of madness or something he's yeah. like it's flowing through me i can't control it <laughs> <laughs> i have to make this not sequel it's not a sequel don't call it that do not call it a sequel business like insider some- Lovecrafty and Beast putting his tentacles on his temple, there, and he's just writing through John Krasinski. There's a lot of a lot of strange in this story because a John Krasinski sounds like someone told him before the interview how a movie is made, and then he just said what they told him. B Business Insider wrote this. Why? And C. That's it. There's only strange. A and B. Yeah, it's just deeply strange. strange. <laughs> deeply strange. It's unsettling, George. I'm upset about it. And I'm excited for this movie. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like I'm stoked for it. I'm really excited to see where Emily Blunt, the deaf child, the baby, and uh, the boy kid can go. But, like, why would he... Well, I guess so he's married to Emily Blunt, right? But right. he's talking to her about writing this movie... I don't know. The fact that he keeps bringing her up, it feels like him softening the blow for when they announce that it is a direct sequel <laughs> and that she's the main character. Like, in the, the fact that he's like, oh, you know, we can't introduce this world where you can make a ton of sound. But you can introduce the world where you can make a ton of sound because of the end of that movie. They figured out how to hurt the monsters. So, like, if they could invent some white noise that is always constantly playing around their house or whatever, you know? They could keep the monsters out by upsetting them and giving them a headache. Maybe they'll do a generational gap where... Oh, where the girls grow Emily, up. That'd be sick. Right. Emily Blunt will still be in it. They oh, hold George. her up with the makeup. She's like, oh, <laughs> take the white noise machine yeah. to the government. Something like that. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. That would be cool. And then the deaf girl. It'd be like The Walking Dead. You know, The Walking Dead usually, even in the comics, gets better after a time jump. It's right. just a good way to shake up the story and move the world forward in a in a story like that i don't know i'm interested i'm gonna keep track of this movie you'll keep hearing about it from us just a lot of a lot of weird stuff going on with that article yeah i mean i i know neither of us really wanted a sequel to it because it felt very self-contained but i still don't i still don't but i'm willing to you know still see it if it's good I'm living in acceptance of this fate that has been thrust upon me. So, Sony and Blumhouse are making a movie called Fantasy Island, and it's a horror film, and it's uh, releasing in 2020. They say it's coming out February 28th, 2020, which is like, you know, same year, same time frame as A Quiet Place 2, and it's a adaptation of the ABC series from the 80s, but it's horror-tinged. So, that sounds like something like Truth or Dare to me, you know? Or like... Oh, yeah. Happy and, Death uh, Day. 
Right. And uh, it says that it's written... What? It's written by Jeff Wadlow. He's directing it, actually. Not Oh, he's writing it, directing it, and he's writing it with his co-scribes on Truth or Dare, Jillian Jacobs and Chris Roach. Wow, that's crazy. So, so it sounded team. just like Truth or Dare. It's the same yeah. team. That's awesome. <laughs> Not only that, but uh, Lucy Hale's also in it. How did I guess this? <laughs> I didn't read this doc, guys. George put it together this week. So Lucy Hale is in it. Not fond of her, just to be honest with you guys. But it also stars Michael Pena, who's really good. He's pretty funny in uh, the Ant-Man movies. He'll play Mr. Rourke, the host of the enigmatic Isle and Crazy Rich Asians, Jimmy O. Yang. Hale plays one of the guests who is anxious to see her fantasy realized. Rourke warns guests that their fantasies may not play out as expected. What is this about? What is Fantasy Island? Have you even heard of this? I've never seen it. I don't know... From just this short blurb, I'm assuming it's... So they said it's like a game show, right? Yeah. So it's some kind of game show where you have your greatest fantasy or your wish fulfilled, but then it's probably like the monkey's paw thing where you get your wish, but it's not how you expected it. So you live out your fantasy, but it's really torture instead of being like your wildest dreams. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm going to read the description of the TV show from the 80s. At a luxurious but remote tropical island resort, the enigmatic Mr. Roke, Mr. Rourke somehow makes the secret dreams of his well-heeled guests come true. Although twists of fate occasionally turn those dreams into nightmares, he's assisted by Tattoo, a little person who could be trusted to sing out De Plane, De Plane, as each group of guests arrived. In the final season of the series, Rourke is joined by Lawrence, a dapper Englishman. As a sort of anthology series, the show featured new guest stars each week, and many big names of the era made a trip onto Fantasy Island. Tattoo is just, like, horrific looking. <laughs> I th- Oh, I think something's wrong with him. Oh, that on. was mean of me. Come on. Nah, dude. Something's... <laughs> His name's uh, Herve Villachez. He's French, and he was the henchman knickknack in the 1974 James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun. I think he passed away recently, didn't he? No. Oh, no? yeah. No, he died on September 4th, 1993. I oh, thought that's when he was it's born. Been a while. I was like, how? Fantasy Island's old as shit. Yeah, long oh, running. He's a little. He's a little person. That's why. I. Oh. He insisted on being called a midget. Well, this is, this is just this is offensive. A, this is a bizarre. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> wow, we're learning a lot tonight. Anyways, Fantasy Island. How how do you feel about this? I feel like it'll probably be the same caliber as any of those, like, kind of rushed out Blumhouse movies, Truth or Dare. That's a nice way to say you think it'll suck. Yeah, it'll be probably that level of quality. (laughs) I'm expecting it to be okay. It'll probably have a couple neat ideas, maybe not be fully fleshed out. It's weird because Blumhouse seems very keen on doing progressive movies, and this 
There's a lot about that description I just read that strikes me as deeply offensive in 2018. Yeah, it's strict. Well, maybe that's why they tackled it because they want to take they want to switch the it source up. material and you know play around with it and make it acceptable for current day modernize it. Huh. Well, the classic joke, Deplane, Deplane may make an appearance. We don't. You never know. That's that was said. What Adam Sandler movie do they make a joke about that? In? <laughs> do you remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm not sure which one I, it is. <laughs> But I, I know what you're talking about. Oh, man. Yeah, because his name's Tattoo. And that I think it's... Um, it might be Grandma's Boy. It's either that or Fifty First Dates. If someone yeah. could like look this up and let me know, <laughs> that'd be great. I'm not going to look it up for myself. So it's up to you. Let me know in our Discord server. So speaking of Blumhouse movies that are totally original... We also got the trailer for Happy Death Day 2, finally. It played before Halloween, but in classic Blumhouse fashion, uh, it did not come out until this week. Or last yeah. week, which is yeah. a little weird. But um, I am kind of shocked at how similar it looks. Like, I was expecting it to kind of, you know, be similar, but not this similar. It looks like it's the same movie with just a new twist. Yeah. I was kind of thrown by the fact that they're literally retreading scenes from the first movie, even though the first movie we retread those scenes five, six times. And now yeah, they're I just agree. twisting a little bit. It seems like, you remember when Disney would release a movie, they'd release Lion King, Lion King 2, then they'd release yeah. Lion King 1.5. Yeah, 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 it was like Lion King one, but from the perspective of another character, like with a little bit of like additional commentary or something. Yeah, and it'd be like an unreliable narrator situation a little bit. Right, and that yeah. kind of feels like what they're doing here. And but I don't... this is a theatrical film, and not <laughs> not a directed DVD sequel. N- not Planes two. Yeah, it seems really weird to me. I don't really like that concept. I mean, maybe I'll be proved I wrong. Like, like, it's I weird. I think the original's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we both... I, I mean, I really like the original. I thought yeah. it was great. Uh, but you know what else is weird? They used that 50 Cent song in the trailer for this one that isn't in the movie. Did that <laughs> strike you as odd? In advertising for the yeah, first Yeah, the first movie? movie they did the trailer, and then when uh, Tree's phone goes off, it's the 50 Cent song. Right. It's your birthday. But then in the movie, it's just some like generic ass nondescript song. Mm-hmm. But then in this trailer, they 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 scored the entire trailer again with the 50 Cent song. <laughs> and I guess the layer here is that Jessica Roth's character of Tree has escaped the time loop where she's cursed to die, but her friends start dying. So she has to start killing herself to figure out how to A, stop the new killer and B, stop the new killer before her friends are killed. And a lot, like the suicide kills in the trailer, they look pretty cool. The one that really just, you know, I did not like, I bet you will not be surprised by this, George. The one where she drops the toaster in the bath and then her hair is all wild. <laughs> a, the, the effect of the toaster electrocuting her in the bathtub is terrible. It looks like something I could do in Final Cut, like just with a green screen effect. And I'm not trying to be rude, but that's it, that's what it looked like to me. And just the whole gag where she wakes up and her hair is all like, okay, that's just cringy. I hope that's not in the movie. 
I don't know. This is weird. I I think I'm I'd be more about that. accepting of the plot if it wasn't the same day that we had to see multiple times in the first movie. Yeah. Like, I get that they're gonna change some things. Um, even in the trailer, you see Tree go into the hospital room where the killer's supposed to be, and she says something to the effect of, "Oh, he's not here. He's supposed to be here." So they kind of still yeah. She's like, change. "It's all different." Right. So. I guess they're going to play with it around, like, play around with the time a bit more, which could be interesting, but I think they need to not have the same day a hundred times. Like, Happy Death Day 3 is going to be the same day, but with a a weirder twist. Her dad dies or something, and she's got to save her dad. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like we've already tread this path so much in the first movie. We don't need to revisit it. Yeah, I will say I really like the baby mask still. I have not I, soured. I, like I have not soured on the Bayfield babies. <laughs> I still like the yet. Bayfield baby. <laughs> if anyone's keeping track, I'm still on for the baby. I like that mask. <laughs> and anything that can be done to make that mask more iconic, I'm on board for. And I like the first movie enough to where I would see this. But I think the comment you and I made about it was it felt like they were even surprised at how well that movie did. Right. So I think that they never went into that with an idea for a sequel, and now they were forced to come up with one, and I would doubt highly that they were given a bigger budget since it's Blumhouse and Universal. They're probably like, actually, we've knocked off about $15 from the budget, so make make something, Right, please. they're like, you did it once, do it again. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's on Universal's side, but I don't know. I'm excited. I'm just a little disappointed, I would say. Yeah. Don't don't love the trailer, but I do hope the movie is good. But there is some exciting news from Blumhouse. Um, the du- the duo behind Cam is going to do another horror movie, which is good good news, and um, it's going to be a female led horror movie, which again I think is good news because they proved that they can write, if nothing else, female characters in a positive, dynamic way, in a way that uh, a lot of other horror directors seem to not be able to get, which is kind of embarrassing. So. Yeah, for That's sure. That's good. Definitely has a very unique perspective as writers and can write the perspective of a female character extremely well. Okay, I'm going to read this description of Cam, and I need you to tell me if you think it's accurate. All right. Cam, the story of a Cam girl who replace, who's replaced on her live show by, well, an identical imposter. Full of nail-biting anxiety, it's important, inventive horror told from a highly unique perspective, as it was co-written by newcomer Issa Mize, a former cam girl herself. I think that's pretty spot on. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. It does have some good tension. It has a good pace. Um, the problem lies with they... We talked about this last week, actually. They were just too concerned with, um, you know, positively showing cam girls and stuff but now i think that they've proven they can do that they can kind of you know go into the next movie with a little more confidence and really work out a plot um their next feature though it's going to be somewhat autobiographical but in a more symbolic way obviously i mean she hasn't murdered anyone that's what mize told the site (laughs) so hopefully it's like a cam girl going after like a sugar daddy or something wouldn't that be awesome I think it'd be. I think it's interesting to see a serial killer movie from a female perspective. Um, the last one I can think of like that was Monster, which is kind of a biopic about. Yeah, uh, that movie's okay. Eileen Warnos. You know, 
Someone got mad at me because I said Jeremy Saunier should direct an Eileen Warnos movie. And they were like, oh, you need to watch Monster. That was made in 2013. And that opens and closes the book on that serial killer. It, like, really paints her positively and sympathetically a lot, which I did not like. Because <laughs> she shouldn't be painted sympathetically, in my opinion. Because she killed a lot of people. And right. I, I mean, she's a. it's a dark story. And so it should be not taken out of context like that like i think that might also be an issue with uh the upcoming ted bundy movie with zach efron god he's zach just so efron good looking it's like a extremely handsome heartthrob <laughs> yeah did you see that picture of him dude <laughs> yeah he looks great I mean, he looks great <laughs> i saw him in his car i i took i go to a frat party with him did you put that on here no all right let's just talk about that so they put out the first picture from the Ted Bundy movie, as I'm going to call it, because the, it's like ex- the name is weird. It's like called Extremely Violers. It's like a, it's like a play on words, little, little word thingy. It's a little sentence. It's a little long, and we don't have it on the dock. But the picture <laughs> was cool. It looks like we've seen a couple shots. Zac Efron seems to be stoked about this movie, which I appreciate, since that dude, I feel like his career is completely underrated. Like no one really appreciates how good of an actor he is. So it's cool that he's in this, you know, dark movie. That's different from anything he's really ever done. And on top of that, he's excited for it. Like, he's been sharing all the images. He's excited to share news about it. But that new shot they put out today, he looks like Ted Bundy. Which yeah. is weird. <laughs> I mean, the issue is going to be making him not sympathetic. It's yeah. going to be like, how do you take Zac Efron, one of the most handsome scary. guys alive, and make him scary and make him a serial killer? You could do it, though. Like, you got him. Like, he's using that charm as a predatorial predatory tool like you know that's how they should play it because i think that's like what the real ted bundy did but that's kind of like what monster was to me i think like it was too sympathetic towards eileen warnos it's kind of like that iceman movie they talked about on Uh, last podcast with michael sheen right yeah yeah or what's that michael shannon michael shannon not yeah. Martin. Not Martin Sheen. Not Martin not, Sheen. <laughs> not Michael Sheen either, because it's not a person. <laughs> that pain. That was too sympathetic as well. I don't know. So. Right. So I could see that being an issue, but at the same time, the sets look great. I mean, costume design, sets look amazing. Zac Efron looks great as Ted Bundy. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. And then going back to uh, Issa Mazay's new movie, I really hope I said her name right in my video and on this podcast, but <laughs> that's what it's spelled like. Uh, I think if she keeps it fictional, even though it's autobiographical and makes it fantastical, like what if when I was a cam girl, the guys that got me down, I took back my own life and kind of went dark with it. You know, like that could be cool. Right. I don't know. I think she's proven herself as a yeah. writer. She definitely... Also, if they go with the same kind of art direction, they can make it super stylized and dreamlike, which I'd be, I think that would fit well with that mm-hmm. kind of uh, concept the, of a fictional serial killer. I would I would like to know if Blumhouse is making it, because Blumhouse, I think it was like Gunpowder and Sky, they made that movie, like they produced it, and then Blumhouse bought it and sold it to Netflix. It was something like that. Yeah. Uh, but we've had that Gunpowder and Sky company, or it might be Gunfire and Sky or something. They've came up a few times on the show. Like we've talked about their movies before, and for if my memory serves me correctly, they've done some pretty good stuff. So yeah, they seem to be pretty positive, up and coming studio for mm-hmm. horror movies. And the their PR person was 
extremely nice if I remember when like because when we were trying to get all those screeners back in the day uh, they, they were really responsive really quickly and they were really happy to hear us talk about their stuff so uh, that's that's a company and a team of writer director that I would like to continue to support yeah definitely watch out for them in the future okay so I don't know why you put this Dracula one on here so I'm gonna let you handle it <laughs> uh, so Fresh off his Fetty Alvarez role, Danish actor Kleis Bang. I'm assuming that's the right pronunciation. <laughs> that's what that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> um, he was in <laughs> Fetty Alvarez's uh, Girl in the Spider's Web. Says that he is playing Dracula in the new BBC Netflix series that is produced by uh, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddius, who do the oh. Sherlock. Uh, show and the doctor who oh okay i mean that makes sense how do you make a dracula show as good as castlevania though i mean this will be i assume if we're looking at like sherlock as any comparison to those it'll just be kind of a period piece where they'll just kind of try to make dracula really cool and it's like smarmy douchebag (laughs) and okay (laughs) and it'll work and i'll probably really like it because <laughs> i like all so, that shit it's a british show right so like those the way those work they're 90 minute episodes and they only do f- three or four of them a season yeah and usually it could be like years between seasons so they'll be like are they three like cinema quality yeah i mean they're they're basically a like a long movie they're a long form movie but just split into three parts and so how does it compare to like into the dark like quality wise like how does sherlock compare i've never seen that show i mean it's just I think the thing that really sets Sherlock apart is they just have, like, massive attention to detail and, like, like the writing staff is, like, very good for those. Okay. Well, I'll watch a Dracula show. Will you? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a cool concept. I think, you know, even if they just do mostly, like, a Vlad the Impaler season where you see kind of... Oh, that of, would be sweet. You know, the politics of, like, Transylvania and you get to see some of the, like, dark gothic architecture and Mm -hmm. the building of the mythos of Dracula. I think that would just be a really cool um, story to build on. And it's, you know, three 90-minute episodes, so you're not really breaking the bank watching that time-wise. Okay, I'll watch that. Um, Next up on here, dude. This is good. This is good. This is going to be a fun, (laughs) fun one to talk about. So we watched this movie at uh telluride horror fest which was like a month ago now which is crazy yeah just side note uh it was called terrified shutter put it out uh the original title was uh, eritados i think or atorados it was something like that but basically people are calling it the like spanish or mexican conjuring i think it was argentinian where the movie originally came from but guillermo del toro is producing a remake of it but an American remake. But the weirdest twist here is that the director of the Argentinian version is coming back to just remake the movie in English. So yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the grudge situation where the grudge was made by the guy who made Juan in America. And it's basically shot for shot the same. Uh, I don't really like... I don't think the story was strong enough in that movie. Like, it had some good scares visually, but if so, if the only thing I'm going to get is a movie I don't have to read that has the exact same scares, it's going to be less scary to me, A, and B, I guess the only thing it would really bring to the table is 
uh, dialogue I can understand because the the subtitle translation was so fucking bad in that movie. <laughs> There's so many typos. I mean, it might make it a little easier to understand some of the kind of abstract parts of the movie where they had those gadgets and they're talking about oh yeah you know the dimension between dimensions and maybe if some of that's translated and more in our own dialect we might be able to understand what those more abstract they're like talking about the difference between the light world and the dark world there's two universes occupying the same place at the same time that's how the monsters are coming through i think i said excuse me at the screen a couple times (laughs) which made you and graham laugh like it was scary the, that shot of the kid at the breakfast tables, yeah. like, still ingrained in my mind. But I don't know. This this seems like a a waste of money and time to me. I but yeah. I, I guess like on the flip side, it is getting that director known in the English market because while we're in tune with the horror releases and it released on Shutter, right? The vast majority of people out there have no idea what this movie is or who the guy who made it is. You know. That's so true. it'll at least get his name out there. And if he is successful at directing an English made English language movie, that'd be a cool come up story. Like Hollywood wise. This Argentinian dude creates terrified. His name's Demian Rugna. And then he gets to make Hollywood horror movies. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. And obviously Del Toro feels like he's the guy for the job, so if you have his backing, that's pretty <laughs> pretty strong uh yeah. recommendation. Um but Callum <laughs> Walters, fan of the show, and very active in our Discord. He said uh, in our Discord the other, yesterday, I think, imagine getting paid to do the same film twice. All you got to do is play the original on an iPad to the crew and say, can you do that? Do that. And I, th- I, laughed, I laughed out loud at that. I thought that was pretty funny. So I, I think he's right. I mean, if it, if it is legitimately a shot for shot, then yeah, it should be easy for him other than maybe trying to explain the story in a more you know in a different language than you might be accustomed to but um other than that i think it should be a fairly easy transition mm-hmm. and then speaking of like remaking films and stuff rob zombie apparently at one point was remaking the blob and concept art came out but the concept art is sick it's really cool <laughs> yeah my favorite one is the rock concert <laughs> yeah yeah with the big phallic rock behind the rock concert yeah Yeah. so he was remaking the classic 1958 movie in way back in 2009 i don't like that that's a sentence that's (laughs) scary he said i have a totally different take one that's pretty dark and he didn't end up doing it, obviously. He said, the blob was going to happen. I was dealing with people on on the movie. Even though I was on the fence about doing anything that was considered a remake again, I really didn't like the idea of that. But I, but just as I went down the road further with the producers and the guys that own the property, I didn't feel good about the situation, and I just walked away from it. My gut told me this was not a good place to be. That's kind of cool. And that's pretty cool that he was so open and honest about why he didn't do it. And I respect that decision. And I understand why he didn't want to do another remake after coming yeah, out Halloween, dude. because when he did his own take on a remake of Halloween and having to stick close to the plot of the original, everybody, not everybody, but a large majority of people kind of reprimanded him, saying that it sucked, it was inferior, and really when he got Halloween 2 and got his, you know, his shot at holding the reins and letting to do his own artistic vision, 
people still don't understand that movie, so it's like <laughs> it's like a no-win situation for him, other than he would have made a movie that he would enjoy. Yeah, I just want to point out that Cherry Moon Zombie would definitely be in this movie because not only is there a shot of a woman in a nurse's costume on top of a car firing at a, uh, it looks like an M4 at a bunch of blob zombies, there's another shot of her getting rescued by a soldier uh, as a zombie bites her with her left breast exposed, which <laughs> seems to be the play when putting her in any art, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that seems to be the obvious pick uh, for Shay Moon Zombie's role. Okay, so we got two more uh, two more <laughs> news stories here. Uh, last year, the nightmare, the game that I stayed up till five in the morning playing with Riley from Slash and Cast, a li- like half a month ago, I want to say, um, or maybe even a month ago now. That's crazy. It finally has a release date of December eighteenth. Um, that's coming to the Discord store. I think it's going to be 30 bucks. It might be 20 But the devs are being straight up. It's launching with a few maps. It's launching with the killers. They've talked about the voice cast, which is huge. Um, it looks awesome. I'm really excited to give it a try. But they've been very upfront, Elastic Games, about saying that they're going to keep working on this game as after it's out. Like, release is just getting it out there so people can play it. And they're committed to making sure that it stays a live experience that's constantly getting tweaked and having its bugs fixed. So I like that. Yeah, I think for any multiplayer game, especially one like this, that's going to have a lot of uh, fan input because it kind of seems like a smaller project, uh, Mm -hmm. it's definitely very, very important to take into consideration what the people who are actually playing it have to say about it for anything, balancing, level design, what creatures should be added, what the power should be. I think taking ideas directly from the people who are playing it is kind of the best route to take for yeah. a 100% multiplayer game. And their original killers are awesome. I really hope they don't do licensed killers, uh, now that I think about it, just because they've already shown such a strong affinity for making their own. And ironically, this is the smallest of all those asymmetrical horror games between Dead by Daylight and Friday the 13th, but it's easily the most polished. Even in its beta form, it was... It ran really well. It had a few glitches, but they were all... The beta was over a month and a half ago, so I'm assuming those are fixed. They're launching it with quite a few different kinds of maps, like a cornfield, a downtown uh, street, and, of course, the Ridgemont High School. Or, it's like Rivertown or something, high school. And graphically, the game looks incredible. Like It has really good graphics, really good lighting, and the voice acting that was active during the beta was really good. Like It felt AAA to me. Yeah, so. and so if they keep that level of polish on it and just improve on it from when it comes out, um, there'll probably be a decent amount of people who pick it up on Discord, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. I'm not really sure how many people are going to People jump were on the really Discord excited when we were thing. all streaming it. Like, a lot well, of people yeah, were, I, were into it. I, I, it's probably one of those things where, you know, if you put the game out, people will go to wherever it is and buy it, so... Yeah, uh, and it'll come to Steam 90 days after, so three months after... The Discord release. Um, it's also cheap, so that's good. Uh, I'm excited. And the one thing I want in it is a progression system. There's still no word on that, and not having cosmetics or like anything to really work towards, I think, is going to be a big problem for this game down the line. But yeah, I mean, as as long as they don't have a million microtransactions and do it uh, progression-wise, I think they should be fine. Yeah, so next up, last news story. Resident Evil 2 gameplay footage came out with Claire being played against the Tyrant, who I guess is called Mr. X, and it, it made me want to just download the original Resident Evil 2 and play it. 
uh, <laughs> because this character is this dude. He's a big hulking man who does not flinch at bullets, can just walk through fire. He wears a leather, like, uh, colonial trench coat and, an, like, a pilgrim hat, I would say it is. And his skin is all gray. He looks awesome. This game looks sick, dude. Did you watch this gameplay? Yeah, this trailer really... It, I was already very excited for this game, and this just really reinvigorated my excitement for it. Like, I wasn't sure if I could be more excited, and now I just cannot wait to play this on my One X. Yeah, they they released some Ada Wong gameplay as well, some more Leon gameplay. This game looks incredible. It just looks amazing. Yeah, graphics-wise, uh, it looks truly next gen and a lot of uh gameplay previews came out today and people are just straight up saying it's like redefining what a game remake is and they've only played a small slice of the game so if people who have been burned constantly by you know giving high praise after previews are giving high praise after a preview I, like i think this game's going to be really good and it comes yeah. out in january so it's not that far away it comes out next month which is crazy yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have much time before this comes out, but I'm definitely buying this and playing it on day one. Yeah, so I just want to let everyone know that you can go check out that gameplay right now. Like, every site has it, but I noticed that the Resident Evil Twitter has the best playthrough of this gameplay. I saw, I watched the IGN footage and the GameSpot footage, and it felt like they were just rushing through it. Like, I saw them pass multiple herbs and ammo and stuff, and it was just like... It was infuriating. So if stuff like that bothers you, like stuff that's in plain sight getting passed over, I would definitely just go watch the footage on the Resident Evil Twitter because they, they made sure that you got to see everything you needed to see, in my opinion. Yeah, and it looks better than we could have imagined. Yep. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with uh, segment two where we're reviewing the possession of Hannah Grace. All right, guys, we're back from our quick break here. And today we're talking about the possession of Hannah Grace. So the reason we're even talking about this movie is because it's another screen gem slash Sony picture. Uh, and they just kind of threw it out there. They didn't release really any trailers or they didn't put any money behind them. And the oddest part about this is I did not see a single billboard for this movie, which to I think most people doesn't really seem that odd. But in I live in Los Angeles and near my house, there are a ton of billboards that are 100% of the year reserved for movies and TV shows. And even that movie Friend Request that came out last October, that was a very similar situation, had billboards. This movie, it almost felt like they did not want people to see this movie. And after watching it, I can see why. Yeah, um, I saw almost no... I, I didn't see any advertising for it. I saw no trailers. I saw nothing leading up to it. I first time I heard about it was when we talked about it last week on this show. Mm, yeah, um, but I'll talk about the very few positives I had with it first. It is set in Boston, Massachusetts, which, you know, is awesome. That's like my favorite place. Second only to Salem, which is, I guess, a suburb of Boston at this, like, for all intents and purposes. <laughs> um, it was filmed at um, New England Studios. And reading the filming note on Wikipedia, it was shot entirely with an A7S II camera, which is insane to me because that's a camera that a lot of youtubers use 
Uh, I will say, though, that the movie looked pretty good. Knowing that, especially, there were a lot of shots of the exterior of uh, this hospital where it takes place. And I, the plot, if you guys didn't know, why, why would you know? It stars Shay Mitchell. She plays a cop named Megan Reed. She's an ex-cop. She takes a graveyard shift jobs and job in a morgue. It's a very easy job. She just kind of has to sit around overnight in this uh, Boston Metro Hospital. And then bodies are delivered to her, and she has to photograph them and... Do- uh, taking their fingerprints into the computer of course the the twist here is that the movie starts out with a possession scene or an exorcism uh, there's a child who's like 16 or some shit named hannah grace she's flailing around it's a very standard exorcism scene and her dad kills her with a pillow and her body comes into the morgue and shit goes it goes wild it's it's kind of like a mix between the brennan fraser movie the mummy and the autopsy of Jane Doe, which are two two movies far better than this one. Yeah, so, um, I did like the hospital. I will say there was a shot, I, I, there was a scene on the roof. I did like. I like the establishing shots of Boston, which were definitely stock footage, and <laughs> I like the main character Megan Reed. She was kind of kind of dynamic, a little interesting. So, I thought that the actual setting for the morgue, while unrealistic because it was basically an underground prison (laughs) looked cool and like fit the uh, the theme of what they were going for like i thought it was a cool setting as unrealistic as it was um and i was actually interested in where the movie was going for the first like 30 minutes i was too and you know what i will say i did not even look up a synopsis for this I was, uh, I forgot we were going to talk about it, and then George texted me. I was on my way to the mall my girlfriend works at to get lunch with her. George was like, hey, Hannah Grace sucked. And I was like, oh, (laughs) shit, I got to see that movie. So I used my AMC pass thingy, and I just got a ticket. I was the only one in my theater, um, so I just kind of, like, chilled out. I was on my phone a lot of the time. This movie feels like it's four hours long, and it's not even 90 minutes. It's 86 minutes, including credits, which is insane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like what the fuck <laughs> it, it, it honestly feels like someone wrote the first half of the movie and then quit and then someone picked it up on the second half and had no idea yeah. what they were doing because i was interested in it for a period of time and then the pacing goes so bad the cgi is terrible it, it just completely falls off a cliff at like the 30 minute mark and just becomes so irredeemable yeah, I completely agree with that. Also, Hannah Grace, the character who's possessed, um, it's not really a spoiler, but like she, because they tell you in the first scene of the movie, she's not dead. Like she's still possessed. And the whole twist is she has to like absorb the souls of people to, um, you know, come back to life. She has to kill people and then she can heal. And they made her completely naked for the entire movie, but she's a kid. So you really only see, like, the side of her, which is odd, and her face. It's, like, bizarre that they would make this character a child when they're going to have her be 100% naked for the entire movie. I just don't I don't understand that. That is a weird, weird choice. Also, the, I guess, powers they give her come, come out of nowhere. There's no explanation. There's no reason for any of it. She has this one move, her signature move that she uses like four times throughout the movie, where she oh, lifts God. up her arms in front of her, and that makes the person she's looking at do the T-pose, like a TikTok video. 
and then she throws them against the wall. <laughs> yeah. But they don't die a lot of the time. She just, like, does that for a while, holds them in the air, and then she's like, okay, your neck is broken now. Yeah. It's like, what? Excuse me? So, uh, also, so that's a weird move. And then also the killing people <laughs> to heal her body is never explained. It doesn't make any sense. We're just supposed to accept, okay, so killing people heals this dead body? Yeah. Uh, the movie was originally called Cadaver, but you want to hear something really weird? Her dad is played by Lewis Hertham. Did Lewis Hertham look familiar to you at all, George? Uh, only when I looked up his uh, history on IMDb. Because when I immediately, I immediately noticed when I saw his face, I was like, "That's the dude who played the dad in The Last Exorcism." <laughs> I remembered his sad mug because he makes that weird <laughs> face in the last exorcism trailer when uh Ashley Bell it's just it's weird to me. So it's like he it's him playing a father, right? And then he's got mm-hmm. a daughter who's like a little ginger kid who's 15, 16 years old who's possessed. What why? Why would you do that? Like why would you cast him in the exact same part? It was bizarre. Well, not only that, but his character doesn't make any sense because no. He's like so, Charles Bronson. Right. So he tries to spare his daughter by killing her. He thinks killing her is like, well, at least if I kill my daughter, then the demon won't be able to do anything. And then later in the movie does as bad of acts as his daughter is doing to go kill her again. Right. He's like, my daughter is killing people. And then he kills two cops and stabs a security guard. Yeah. So... Yeah. So it's like, you're not really that much better than her (laughs) in, like, the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that that is really weird. I didn't even think about that. Um, I will also say that all the kills are terrible. They're stupid. Except for the one right in the first scene when the guy goes through the nail and it goes through his forehead. That was pretty gory. I like that. It was surprising Uh, to me. Um, The ancillary characters, though, are just stupid. Like, this girl, Megan Reed, she's she's worked at the hospital for, like, a day by by the time everything goes down but she knows everyone's name immediately and she's like talking to people like p- characters just come in and exit this movie at on a whim it's just messy it's just really messy i didn't, I didn't really understand it uh it's just and, and it's also, really bad one of the weird things in the movie is so they literally a character brings it up where they say well, why is Hannah Grace killing everybody and not killing you? <laughs> and then she goes, I don't know. And then that's the that's all we get. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a part where Hannah Grace just like puts her stinky hand on her nose and then she gets knocked out, I'm assuming, from the noxious <laughs> smell of this dead body. And then there's like a shot of Hannah Grace dragging her down a hallway into the room where all the bodies are stored. And she just puts her in one in like the body cage. Why? Why don't you just kill her? It's like, it feels like they wanted to introduce an angle where, like, the the demon wanted to transfer into her body because but they. But then why they would it kill a- everybody? Why would it just go into uh, her body? Right. They keep, but well, they keep alluding to the fact that um, Hannah Grace was depressed and had anxiety, and that's how the demon got in her and took over. And they make a point to to have Megan Reed, the cop, have anxiety and depression. So that's why it felt like to me they were going that way with it. Yeah, and then they don't, which is smart, because there's no way this movie would ever get a sequel. 
Right, because it was made for six six million dollars and it uh, or nine point five million dollars actually, and it made eleven million this weekend. So there is literally no possibility of this movie breaking even, which I guess is good, and uh, it'll never get a sequel. Also, shout out to fan of the show Luke Jagger's friend of the show. He was talking in our Discord about how hopefully Sony will realize that they can't just put out any fucking movie they make <laughs> and hope to earn a billion dollars like everyone else. They have to put effort in because lucky for them, this is not the worst horror movie of the year or the worst movie I've seen all year. That goes to Slenderman, which was also made by them. They're very the lucky company. they released this. It's like, God damn it. How are they this bad? They've made stuff like Evil Dead. Right. And, and Don't Breathe. They, so we know they have it in them to make good movies, but they just refuse to. They're just adamant on making shit. Like, this movie's the, terrible. The thing is, I would forgive them if movies like this and Slenderman were a cash grab, where they said, we need to make these bad movies to get money to fund the good movies. But right. these movies do terrible, because they're and terrible the, movies. And it's Sony. It's right. so, like, they have money. I don't get I it. I don't get I, it. I don't know what the magic formula is that allows them to sometimes make something really good and 99% of the time make a terrible movie. It just sucks. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. I'm gl- I like. I like using my AMC pass. It's nice to be able to go to a movie theater and treat it like my living room. <sighs> I'm so glad I have that for movies like this because unlike you, I didn't have to pay for this technically. You paid money to see this. Yeah. That was quite a waste. Uh, like they, I can't believe they shot this on an A7S2 also. like This is a cinematic like theatrical film, and they're shooting it on a YouTube camera. But that wasn't even a problem, because the movie looked good. Yeah, The weird. production quality was good, other than the terrible CGI. CGI fire, which is inexcusable. Yeah, dude, and... the CGI fire was so bad. It looked like uh, that 3D Silent Hill movie. <laughs> right, it was like a goddamn kids' picks thing. Like It was like <laughs> a child's editing software. It was and ridiculous. Then, uh, like, the dad go- comes, he gets arrested, he comes back, he's like, what up? And she's like, okay, I believe you. And then he's like, we gotta burn her body. And I thought there would be some build-up, like, you know, they can't get they can't get her body to the furnace, because she does work in a morgue. Or, like, you know, the body's coming to life. But the the Hannah Grace neglects to use her dumb powers when the dad is around. She's just like, no, I'm gonna use my human strength. <laughs> okay. And then, like, I... They try and create some tension where Hannah Grace is holding on to Megan Reed or whatever when she's getting burned. It's like, that's not tense. She's a <laughs> child. She's a fucking child and she's on fire. There's no yeah. way she'll be able to pull her in. Who and cares? Megan Reed is a police officer, an ex-police officer. She could get a 16-year-old girl off her if she needed to. I do like the one scene where she punches the dad because it, like they, they start the movie with a shot of her kickboxing for some reason. And that punch traveled well into that actual punch, I will say. She did a good job. She was a good actor. She just did not have a good script. Yeah, she definitely was not. She played the role as good as anybody could expect. She was good in the movie as the character, but everything else about it was very bad. <laughs> like, the writing was terrible. CGI was bad. Effects were terrible. Uh, the pacing was awful. And then they do, like... All these little cute things where they think they're being cool, where they'll frame a scene in a certain way with the lights flickering on and off, and like have it be a cross like on, the, on poster, the ceiling. Yeah, like the poster. Yeah, and it's like, shut no. up. <laughs> like, you haven't earned that. You just suck. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. 
<laughs> stupid. Yeah. I definitely do not recommend this movie. I don't even feel like mean. I just feel like <laughs> I feel like this movie earned everything I said about it. <laughs> yeah, but it somehow makes an 85-minute movie drag, which should be impossible. Yeah, it should be impossible. Well, bye. Bye.